Good morning, afternoon or evening, wherever you are in the world and welcome to the bloody awesome movie podcast. My name is Matt Hudson from What I Watch Tonight and joining me from across the pond, he's a statesman to my kingsman, it's Mr. Birkenfield himself. John Burke from Burke Reviews, how are you my friend? I am doing very well Matt, excited to uh, talk some movies with you today. I thought it's best to uh, introduce you by your proper title of Mr. Birkenfield, you're a man who demands respect, certainly for me, and I'm sure the listeners respect you as well. You know, I don't know if that's true, but I appreciate the sentiment. And, you know, uh, you can call me Professor Birkenfield if you'd like. That's fine. Uh, or, you know, there's no doctor. I never said doctor. Uh, but he never just, didn't. He did not say doctor. Right. You know, I mean, it's whatever, you know. That's a King speech reference, a little hint at what I've been watching. <laughs> Lord Birkenfield to me over here. Dude, it's, I know you guys will put me to shame here, but it's, well, maybe not Florida. I don't know about Florida, but it's snowing and it's quite deep and it's brilliant and it's one and it's so odd, but it's really, really cold. It's like so it's cold. perforating the windows now, but it's great to look outside in the UK and see this blanket of snow, which isn't just like dandruff. It's fairly thick. So that's how I'm doing the weekly weather report from Essex, England. What about Florida? Are you snowing over there? Yes, uh, it is a 84 degrees outside right now, um, Fahrenheit, hot everyone. snow then. Yeah, it's very hot. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, it's sand. Uh, we are somehow in the beach. We don't know how we got there. It just showed up. Uh, yeah, no, I'm not actually on a beach, folks, but it is very warm outside today. Um, last night, I left the gym at like 11.10, and it was the first time uh, this year when I walked out of the gym that it was hotter outside than it was inside. So like you got, you like walked into a wall of humidity and, and warmth instead of usually like the last couple of weeks has been, you walked outside and you're like freezing cause you're covered in sweat. Mm-hmm. Um, not the case anymore. It's already starting to transition. The groundhog was a liar. He said he saw his shadow and that we had six more weeks of winter that did not come to Florida. It is currently very, very warm. Not, not hot yet. It's just warm for us, but bloody groundhog lying to us. But, uh, well, we would never lie to our listeners, so what we tell you each week is what you're going to get each week. Firstly, a bloody awesome show, but it's a non-spoiler review we give you every week. For those new to the show, we take the most interesting film currently, because we don't really have any big releases, but usually the biggest release of the week, or the most interesting now, or streaming film, and we give a non-spoiler review of it, and we give our thoughts and opinions, basically, uh, before we move on to a few other awesome segments. But for this week... We are talking about Sam Levinson's Malcolm and Marie. Sam Levinson directs it. He also wrote it as well. It stars, only stars, John David Washington and Zendaya, which is no bad thing. Uh, What's it about? IMDb says, a director and his girlfriend's relationship is tested after they return home from his movie premiere and await critics' responses. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes, critically, gives it 59%. That's low. Uh, 53 on Metascore and 6.8 for the IMDb user score. And uh, it's available internationally via Netflix. It dropped uh, at the beginning of the week this was recorded. So go check it out. It's there for everybody. 59% on RT. When I first checked this, it was in the high 80s. Wow. Um, We must have had a few dump reviews, or literally dump reviews, for this film. Um, Malcolm and Marie. Now, I've seen this film, obviously, and I like this film. I thought it was good. I don't think it was great. 
I wanted to love this film, but I didn't. I liked it. I thought it looked great. I thought it was very well acted. And I know that's done the rounds, that, but I've said it straight up. I think, you know, JDW is really good. Zendaya is fabulous in this. It's nicely put together. You know, some of the shots, the composition of shots are wonderful. Honestly, this some of the shots are stunning. And it's shot on a 35mm black and white. So you get this kind of smoky visual look to it anyway, this classic visual look to it. And it's got a raw energy. Okay, it's got, it's, like I said, it's a director and his girlfriend return home, waiting to find out what critics think of a film. And it gets a bit fiery, like, like, some, like most couples do, like all couples do. They have a bit of an argument. But this one, you know, starts to get real. It goes deeper than just, well, you know, you didn't make me mac and cheese. This gets down to kind of real human emotions. It's raw and it felt uncomfortably real at times. Do you know what I mean? Like I was actually a fly on the wall watching two people who were actually in a relationship going at it. Uh, but what? But a lot of the dialogue for me didn't feel natural. There's a lot of times, a few times when I thought, I don't really know anyone who, who would ever speak like this or use these kind of um, phrasings or words in a heated argument. It was very scripted at times, I thought, uh, which was saved by the performances. But even then, I was still thinking, you know, this is very, this is very stagey at times. And it's, it is only set within this very nice apartment, this one little place. So you've got that to contend with. So if you don't like claustrophobic films, look away now. Um, I found it got monotonous as well with the like the the constant trade-offs. So, you know, it would be JDW has a say, Zendaya has a say, repeat ad nauseum. And it kind of, obviously it went up and down and, you know, emotions changed throughout the film and it was very exhausting to watch. But I did find, kind of think, well, I, after a few back and forth, um, I kind of knew where we were going with this and it got a little bit repetitive uh, halfway through, three quarters of the way through. Um, and I gonna I want JB to answer this because he could probably put it a lot better than I can, but the film's been getting a lot of criticism, namely from film critics who felt seen by this yeah. because the, like I said, he's, he's a, he's a director and he's waiting to see what the film critics think mm-hmm. of his film. And, course he gets the reviews in and i believe the story is something along the lines of sam Levinson received received a bit of a crappy review for assassination nation by a i think i think it was a female critic from the la times oh and if you've seen the film oh malcolm and marie well you know where we're going with this so a lot of it a lot of it's based on levinson's actual experiences with assassination nation i didn't know that going in knowing that afterwards kind of changes the way I see how the the message of this film and the shots that are taken. Me, as a as John called as John quite rightly calls us kind of self professed film critics, I took no offence whatsoever. I'm like most of the time I'm thinking he's right. But I don't know. I liked this film. I didn't love it. I really wanted to. Great acting. Uh looked looked wonderful. There's a lot to like, but there was a few things which did drag the film down for me. But uh, what did you think, John? And also, what did you think of the whole like critic reception? Well, I, I, I actually, my opening statement was going to be about that. So very good uh, of you to note link. that. Um, I, I think it is the hardest thing to criticize is the thing that's about the thing you're doing, right? Like if you are going to criticize a film about critics you you second guess yourself because you don't want it to come off as you're criticizing it because it's about you right like and 
Um, I've read several negative reviews. Uh, I think one of my favorite reviews that I've read so far uh, was David Chen's from Slash Film, who I reference regularly. Um, his wasn't, uh, it's, these are all off Letterboxd. Um, he just simply said, uh, kind of something you pointed out, it was that it, this this movie felt like listening to a podcast of a filmmaker who's, you know, waiting to, like basically what they're talking about, like they're reviewing a film but having a fight with their their significant other who's their podcast partner. Like you're just kind of stuck in this thing and it was stressful. It wasn't like a, good show. a negative criticism because um, I, I, I'm going to put this movie right down the middle. Um, I, I think the performances are great. They're two extremely talented actors who I've enjoyed almost everything I've seen them in. Okay. Easy. Um, I am a fan of dialogue heavy productions um, mm-hmm. and not to, not to comment on what you said, because I think this is a, a matter of opinion and taste. I don't feel like they're going for realistic dialogue. Cause I think this is a blatant, like, Hey, critics, you suck like kind of thing. And to, to set a bar, I loved assassination nation. I thought that movie was oh, a, lot of fun. a lot. My daughter and I went, we kind of went expecting it to be schlock and not enjoy it really much at all. And we were kind of really into it. We had a lot of fun with it. Uh, there was a lot of really, I, I think the commentary is not like super intellectual, but it's important commentary. I thought the, the idea of like female empowerment, um, mm-hmm. it is, I didn't realize that he is uh, apparently Ben Levison's son. Um, and so one critic on Letterboxd uh, levied a nepotism critique about it. And um, and that's the thing. He's put critics in a position where anything we say is going to sound like a retaliation right and his movie is a retaliation to critics um, or at least as you noted one specific critic apparently and assassination nation is clearly not for everybody it's a violent movie uh you know um i thought he had some really cool stylistic flourishes one of which i think maybe frames the opening sequence of this movie a little hard because there's that really awesome shot in assassination nation where he pans the outside of the house um as you see uh what's going on through the windows, but you're, you're just on the outside and like the camera's yes, doing this yeah, really yeah. very kind of Fincher esque steady movement across. Right. Um, mm-hmm. He does that for the opening. On sequ- well, yeah. yeah. He's doing that for the opening sequence in this movie. Well, not it's almost the opening sequence where she's smoking a cigarette. He's pacing the living room and um, it, it'll freeze on her for a little bit. Then it'll follow him through the windows and then get back to her and then it'll freeze on her again. It, it's, it's very stylized. It's cool. It, it's, it looks great. Like you said. Um, but I did find it. I, I surprisingly found it a little pretentious and a little whiny. Um, and I, I tend to really fall for movies about movies and about Hollywood because I, I am a film critic by choice, as you said, um, because of my love of cinema and, and movies. And it's something that I enjoy studying and breaking down and analyzing so i often side with the filmmakers more so than i side with critics and this was just like dude get over it man like are you kidding and that's part of the dialogue in the movie is like you know hey are you really gonna obsess over what some person said but still i was i was a little like okay especially for the like the entirety of the film is this. It's not like it's a moment in the film and we're going to have like some, it's that. And even like, I, I, I am a person who will throw out names. Like if we're talking about a movie, I will be like, Oh, 
did you see these things? And do you know this person, this person, that person? And he does that in this movie. And I don't know if it was like a taste of my own medicine and I didn't like it or what it was, but um, I found it like the first reference when he, he drops William Wyler, who's a director I was kind of unaware of until recently because of mm-hmm. the book. And I thought that was cool for me because I'm like, wow, that's weird that I just watched that movie and I just really learned about William Wyler. And so for it to be like prominent in a movie that I was like watching to review, I was like, that's fun. And then it just like kept happening. I was like, oh, okay. Um, I guess you want to show that you've watched movies. Like, you know, imagine if Edgar Wright watched, like he, he Edgar Wright, tons of references, right? Like Hot Fuzz, like you, you get all these references, but they feel so much more organic and natural. And also like there's a meta commentary to it because he's not just referencing them. He's going to actually recreate moments from the movies he's referencing. We don't get that here. Like there, none of that's there. Like the movies that he's throwing out is just like, yeah, okay, cool. Um, the William Wyler one did feel quite gratuitous. And that's early on as well. What I, I, when I was watching it, I was like, it's, really, it's like very oddly specific as if, as if he sat there, just like you say, just watched one of his films and be like, I think I'll make a note of his name. I'm going to get here. I'm going to mention him in my next film. And I put it, sorry to address that. I put it as well that, in my review that it began to feel very slightly indulgent as this thing went on. And um, I agree with you on that one. And pretentious it is, it is a pretentious film. Um, I'm not going to argue with you on that one, dude. And what, what stinks is if this film wasn't pretentious and it looks like this amazing, but because it feels pretentious, it, the (laughs) look is it only accelerates, right? It becomes bigger. <laughs> like, cause it's like, Oh, this is such an art house type film. And then it's like, Oh no. And you're, you're like dialogue's pretentious. And it's clearly like, take that critics. Look at maybe I, I could see her like calling um, assassination nation schlocky or something like that. Cause it does have like a B movie vibe to it in yeah. ways. It doesn't look like a B movie, but I could see, cause this is a complete one eighty from that. Right. Like the look oh, of this, this is, is so hard house. Dude, this is that the assassination nation is like is like madness and like mental verve, and this is just like naked emotion, complete opposite. Which is almost like he's responding to the criticism, almost you know. Yeah, and that's exactly. And it's like, look, dude, if you have a voice, you should use your voice, and you don't need to worry that everyone doesn't hear what you're saying because it's not. Movies aren't supposed to be for everyone in most cases, like commercial blockbusters are are trying to appease everybody because their goal is to make money and nothing else if you are making movies to make money then yes that is your goal if you are making movies because you love the craft you love the art and maybe you want to make money then you're even more in line with like scorsese or spielberg who are going to do the thing they want but they also do want the financial return understandable fine and scorsese and spielberg not in the same realm i get that but still i think scorsese's r-rated movies are like the equivalent of the spielberg family movies right like his movies are for a large audience generally speaking oh yeah except, i know what you mean yeah yeah except maybe the last couple like i think i think he's gotten a little more where he's indulging his interest with silence and and the irishman um he's got a blank check right but this does feel like a person just demonstrating that he's seen fancier movies and and that's okay too it's not because again it's it's well executed it's not like there's major flaws it just doesn't feel authentic in any way that was um it didn't grab me emotionally and again it's not the performances like the performances are there they they act their butts off it's just like the substance feels real generic even the the plot points that they hit on like the struggle of their relationship the foundation of their relationship none of it feels 
like real or organic. It just feels like a script being it feels again, a bit box ticky, doesn't it? With, yes. with the things that have happened to them. Yes, yes, and you know, and again, I understand. I, like all of this, the the minimalistic nature of this is great. It's it's perfectly fine, but I I was definitely disappointed. I was really expecting um, this to be great, and again, the downside is because it's about critics and it's criticism of critics uh, every review i read that is negative i'm like yeah but you're just kind of feeding into what he's saying like th- there's a review on letterbox that simply says so good if you mute it and mm. you're i mean to be fair the dialogue is one of the things you complained about so fair but no but, yeah yeah with the i mean the dialogue I, I mean, the the whole film, it's more so when they're actually having their discussion about, obviously, the film critic thing, whatever, how, the way he uh, uses dialogue or that, but it's more the actual, this is what's wrong with our relationship talk and how they're describing each other. I was like, you wouldn't say that. And I guess, I, guess, and I hear what you're saying about the pretentious nature. Maybe it's actually played for that, but it took me out a lot. Whereas I, I, I did find it, I did find the emotion there because I believed in the performances. It wasn't it, the performances made me feel like I said that I was watching an actual couple have an actual argument and I'm watching their relationship actually crumble because JDW and Zendaya made me believe that yes. it wasn't the dialogue it wasn't anything else it was those two just bringing their A games and making me believe that I wasn't actually watching a film I was like watching some like, horrifying documentary about um, you know like what happens behind closed doors with um, angry relationships or something so um, so. I feel like this review is one of the funniest things. Uh, I don't know. It's oh, a <laughs> Letterboxd era. I don't know who this is, but if Marriage Story was a Calvin Klein ad, and if, <laughs> if you grew up in the the late 90s and early 2000s with the like CK1 ads where it was like super black and white and for Texas, that's what this movie feels like in a lot of ways. And I was like, oh, I smashed it there. That's a good review. Um, a Marriage Story... I said it uh, elsewhere. Marriage Story is a better film for me. Oh yeah, not just because it leaves the house, but the way it's just the way it feels more. It feels a lot more real. Whereas, and I know I've just said that this film felt real. Like the actual like vitriol felt real. Like the actual like anger and resentment felt real. But in Marriage Story, the relationship felt real, and the world felt real, and what they were fighting about felt real, and also the performances were excellent across the board and everything else. Um, but that's a fantastic show, actually. <laughs> CK1 ads as well. I hadn't thought about that. Um, well, I know we're going to talk about other kind of um, statuettes later on, but before this was uh, released, the, pre- the pre-buzz was, well, look, this has got Oscar bait written all over it. It's coming out in February. It's black and white. It's got great performances. You know, this, is, this could be a front runner. What are you thinking now? Because, I mean, I'm still, well, I thought, I was fairly confident in thinking Zendaya may at least get a nomination. It's a tough, it's a stacked category, but I think she is good. Um, but now I'm not even so sure about that. And not because I, I don't think she deserves it, but given, you know, other um, nominees, nominations and other oh, governing bodies and all that awards bodies. Sorry. What are you thinking about the Oscar chance for this? Cause for the big ones, I mean, there's no, there's no best director, there's no best picture. I'm, I'm not looking at that, but any technical awards or acting awards or at least nominations? Um, I would, I wouldn't think so. Uh, I, I don't feel like this movie is going to land, I guess maybe because of the look of it, we could talk cinematography 
but it's it, for for what the movie is like cinematically that it is like a box movie almost i don't know that you're gonna get that kind of a nomination it does look tremendous but um i don't know who is cinematographer on this uh marcel rev uh, marcel rave yes or rave rave i've done a lot of movies um just assassination nation in this which explains the uh maybe gave uh levinson too much credit maybe that's a cinematographer's choice with the camera but um which would make sense but you know a lot of times you attribute that kind of movement to the director's discretion but um yeah i i don't i don't think so um there like you said it is a really stacked lineup already um so i would be surprised if this makes that kind of noise with the academy uh again they do like movies about filmmaking but this movie's not really about a filmmaker you know it's more about a filmmaker who's hurt he's a little butthurt that someone didn't like his his art so um and then it bleeds into the actual relationship it's like it's a yeah. it's a relationship which blows basically against her and and it just they just happen to be he just happens to be a film director waiting on a waiting on the first reviews that relationship's going to fall apart anyway but so yeah in terms of it being a filmmaker's film I don't know. I don't know. If I, I know you're not saying that, but if anybody else was to really say that, I wouldn't subscribe to that theory at all. Right, and that so like I don't know that the uh, it's going to get a lot of Oscar play for that. Um, so yeah, no, I, I would I would be a little surprised if this was an Oscar player because um, again, again, the performances are. It's not that they're not worthy. It's just like, but do you want to just because they're performing so well with mediocre? writing it's i don't know i i would be surprised but obviously i've been surprised many times with oscar picks so who knows that's true and look willie's wonderland comes out soon with nick cage so everyone's looking over their shoulders at the oscars for this so um that might push malcolm Marie out on every category but um okay so we both were disappointed by it. i think i liked it slightly more but i wanted to love it and didn't and jb felt disappointed was there anything else you wanted to add about malcolm Marie, dude before we move on yeah there's not much else to say for me we will consign this back to Netflix where in about a week's time we'll have to str- look really hard to actually find where it is on that streaming service. So uh, that was our non-spoiler review of Malcolm and Marie. And now we move on to our next segment, which is simply called Chuffed Headlines. Uh, and in this, John and myself, we scour the internet or the social medias for movie news or pop culture news that caught our attention for whatever reason. And usually we come up with a headline each you know, it could be funny, it could be sad, whatever. Uh, but this time there's been, you know, two fairly big events happen this week and we kind of thought, well, it's obvious that we run with these. So, John, what was your event of choice this week or event that we handed to you? I uh, live in Florida and the Super Bowl was in Florida this this uh, past weekend on Sunday. Of course. Uh, which... I have not been a big sports person for the last couple of years. Pretty much when I committed to watching as many movies as I do, I, sports just became like in excess. I didn't. Um, however, it was uh, my, I am a Tampa Bay Bucks fan, you know, grew, grew up in Florida. So I've always been a fan um, at least since high school, I've been a fan. And even though I, I don't currently really keep up, I was intrigued that they were in the Super Bowl, and it's the first time the team has ever been there. But the real reason most people watch the Super Bowl isn't the Super Bowl. It's the commercials. And specifically, 
we always get some really good trailer drops. And so we got a lot of trailer drops, uh, even though we don't know when all these movies are really going to come out um, at the Super Bowl this year. So I thought we would kind of just list the movies that uh, had trailers during the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Yep. Over to you then, my friend. I didn't watch Super Bowl, I'm not the biggest NFL fan. And um, over here in the United Kingdom, for the last few years, there's been a, ma- a huge push, a huge push for the NFL and you know they have a game over here each season in the regular season at Wembley or but um dude I'm as soon as Super Bowl comes around I'm here for the halftime show depending on who it is and those ads man so Fast and Furious or uh Fast is it just F9 I don't know what they're actually calling this one Fast and Furious 9 um the the new trailer drop for that um which is actually like one of the only ones I missed because it was it must have been like one of the very first trailers that that Mm -hmm. played um so i i and I, but i've seen they, you know this was supposed to come out last year i saw the trailer with when they introduced cena a while back and everything so um did you happen to catch this trailer uh yes and they do mention the word family during it um i'm not uh, i'll preface this by saying i'm not a fan of fast and furious although i did like hobson Shaw. i thought well, i thought that was okay um yeah i saw this is again it's only a 30 second one like most of them were it's not for me. I thought. I just thought it is. It is exactly what the Fast and Furious has become. You know, it's a bit sort of cheesy fun, but there's. I can't get past the fact that I think Vin Diesel believes it's real. I think he thinks these films are actually real, and that's. Just, and I can't get my head around that. And he's going to become a car at some point. Um, I don't know. It looks like big, explosive fun. I'm not going. I'm not going to stoop to call it dumb fun like some because if you like what you like, but. It looks like fun, but it didn't grab me. It didn't make me think, you know what, I want to revisit those films now. But you watched them last year, I think, didn't you? And you've shot, taken a shine to them? Yeah, um, I watched yeah. them right before Hobbs and Shaw came out, so two years ago. Um, two years Which ago. I can't believe it's been that long, to be honest. But, I can't believe I remembered that. Um, I I had bought the box set on like a Black Friday deal, um, and I I loved the first one when it came out. Like I saw, I remember seeing it in theaters and thought it was a lot of fun. Um Really, I, I, I liked Vin Diesel already. I was a Pitch Black fan, so I was already kind of on board with him. Um, and I I did not like Too Fast, Too Furious. I still really don't enjoy that one. Um, Tokyo Drift, the, it's hard to get past the country guy. Like, he's not a great actor um, in that movie. And it was like a straight-to-DVD. So I didn't love Tokyo Drift, but I did, like the racing scenes were cool or whatever. Um, I didn't see four for the longest time. And then I just waited and I didn't see any of them. I, I thought they looked ridiculous and I think they are ridiculous, but I do think they're a lot of fun. Um, I, I really like Han, uh, which is one of the big reveals in this trailer is uh, justice for Han is supposed to happen. Um, yeah. I, I am, I am, I, I don't want to say I'm a fan of the franchise, but I, I kind of am a fan of the franchise. So I'm, I'm, not pumped for this and anytime you bring john cena to a movie um even though he's been good in the last couple things yeah you never see him for sure that good uh but to be fair where where cena has found success in hollywood has been comedies and not action so i'm not sure that i like him coming to this movie it almost feels like that was a, a jab at the rock um, because we know Vin Diesel and The Rock are not on good terms because of the Fast no. and Furious franchise. So like him bringing Cena in feels like, take that, The Rock. You know, we're bringing in other wrestlers. Um, so I don't know. I'm a little I'm a little not sold on him in this movie. But Yeah, yeah hey, look, uh, maybe I'll watch it and really enjoy it. But uh, in a minute, F9 is like the, if it actually comes out, it's like the biggest film, which I don't really have any 
plan on seeing, but uh, watching, sorry. Um, but we got, you sent me a message the other day saying, did you know there was a new M. Night Shyamalan film coming out, The Sham Hammer? And I said, yes. I only knew I only knew what it's called, but I'd ne- I hadn't seen anything about it. And then it clicked that, oh, Super Bowl Sunday, it must be something to do with that. And we did. We got a trailer for Old, a teaser. What did you think about that one, man? Um, I I like M Night. Um, even even despite <laughs> oh, no. many bad movies, so I am I'm kind of on board. Uh, the cast looks pretty good here. Um, you get Thomas and Mackenzie, who I've been like everyone needs to pay attention to her since uh uh No Trace, Leave No Trace. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she's in Jojo Rabbit, and she's fantastic in that. And she's in a few other movies uh as well. She's getting a lot of opportunity, so I'm pumped about that. Um, whichever one of the, the Wolf Brothers is in this, I like both the Wolf Brothers. I just can't keep track of which one's Alex uh, and which Alex Wolf, I think it is the hereditary one. Yes. Um or was that Nat? That's see, one of them. It's one of them. Uh and I like both of them to be fair though. I, I I've seen both of them in different movies and I've enjoyed uh them in those roles. Um and then uh Shyamalan, man, you know he's you know there's gonna be some type of weirdness or twist to it. That's his MO. And I, I'm often on board. I've liked the last two movies. You know, I know Glass was uh, up and down for people. I like Glass. I don't think Glass is perfect, but I did enjoy it. And so I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm excited to give this one a go. Uh, you, you mentioned the twist. I'm only going in to see what the twist is. Um, and again, it, with the sham hammer, the twist makes or breaks the film. Sometimes it can make a bad film. One of his bad films quite good. And sometimes it can you know, make a good film. Not quite so. Or it can make a good film great, like The Sixth Sense, for example. Yeah. But, um, again, I wasn't, again, I don't know what I was what I was thinking, but I was watching it thinking, I'm not sold by it. it again, I'm going to watch it, and it looks interesting. Like, the pre- obviously, people are on this beach, and they're getting older. Like in Within, like, minutes, they're going from, like, a kid to, like, a teenager. Um, so that's interesting. But I'm still so something about Shyamalan, which I just don't know which one's going to turn up. Is it going to be, is it going to be the inspired Sam Hammer, or is it going to be the kind of well, I've done my you know the Split Glass Unbreakable trilogy. I'll, I'll do, I'll put this one out now whilst I'm writing. So I don't know what I'm going to get, but it looks interesting enough. But I'm I I wouldn't say I'm sitting here anticipating it wildly. Yeah, same. I, it's I, I but I I am always. I'm always intrigued to see what he's going to make. And actually after glass didn't do as well as I think people had hoped, I wasn't sure what he would do. Um, if he was going to go for another movie or whatnot. So, you know, I'm, I'm open to see what it is. Um, did you uh, catch the trailer for nobody? Uh, yes, I did. Um, I'm going to make it a hat trick now, John. (laughs) Okay. Look, Bob Odenkirk in this role seems cool. And, I hope they rely a lot on the comedy for this because I wasn't, again, I wasn't sold on this one either. There was something, it was something about the kids bracelet and it felt like a bit like the puppy from John Wick. And I don't know if this is a straight up riff of John Wick, like a more comedic nods towards that, or if it's a serious action film, which I don't know if you might be able to put me wrong or put me right on that one. But I wasn't even by this one. I wasn't sold by this one either. It just looked fine. I thought, I was walking by because I was uh, I was grilling burgers when the the Super Bowl oh, commercials yes. were, and I'm walking past the TV and I thought this was like a like a Geico commercial or something at first. Like <laughs> I didn't know it was a real trailer. I thought it was like a joke trailer. Um, I like Bob Odenkirk. I find him very funny. And I'm like, oh, what is this like for Geico? And they're like, nobody. I'm like, whoa, hold on, this is a movie. I'm like, what? And that's the the vibe of the the trailer. Kind of the look of the trailer has more of like a 
commercial vibe to me than a in a motion picture. It's got to be some type of satire because I don't see them pushing. I like Odenkirk, but he's known for comedy, not for like a serious role. Um, so I can't imagine them pushing this as like a legit action film, like not being comedy first. But the trailer does not give you a clear picture of what this is going to be. So yeah, I am. I'm not opposed, but I'm definitely not like pumped up about it. I'm glad it wasn't just me then, because I was trying to think: was I am I not getting this? But um, one of the big uh, drops of the Super Bowl was wasn't even a film. Disney Plus Marvel: The Falcon yeah. and the Winter Soldier. Now I've said to JB that, uh, and on the show, sorry, in the last week that you know, One Division came. I was like, you know, I don't really fancy watching this. I'm not too invested in those characters. You know, I'm not too bothered. John said, listen, watch it, or else you're not doing a show anymore. So I watched it. I was like, this is great. I really, really enjoying this. And there's me watching it Friday morning, like I would do with Amando. So I thought, okay, I'll check out the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And again, I wasn't totally stoked by this. And um, this feels more like what I don't want to watch. If that makes, this feels more like straight up action, which isn't a bad thing. But one division, and I know this, you can't have the Falcon and Winter Soldier in this universe, Wonder Vision universe and make it work. It was always going to be more straight up, but I like what they're doing yeah. with WandaVision. It feels different. And that's what I've said about many IPs and franchises I like. I just want them to do something different every now and then. But that doesn't mean that the Falcon and Winter Soldier looks bad. It's just, it looks a lot more, a lot more what I expected a, a, a show like this or the Marvel Caesar series to look like. But like we've said with the, the 10 Marvel series are coming, the 10 Star Wars series. There's going to be something for everyone. So for someone like me who wants to kind of more, it's not even experimental, but just treading a different path with WandaVision, I've got that to watch. So I'm happy with that. And who knows what else is going to come, but it looked fine. But Anthony Mackie was in Outside the Wire recently, and that soured my taste on him for the next month or two. But um, what did you think of this? I'm assuming you quite enjoyed this one then. Yeah, I did. I am. Mm-hmm. Um, it is. I think these characters don't lend themselves to a lot of other style of storytelling. I think it's going to be a more, more traditional comic book story, and I I'm kind of glad about that because if they tried to make it weird or different, it doesn't really fit them. Like, right? They're, mm-hmm. they're I mean, yeah, even yeah. Captain America, they're much more straightforward. Um, I my favorite of the Captain America films was was uh, Winter Soldier because I loved, um. I love the spy, like I love the whole spy thing. I thought the espionage and all that was really well done in the, in that, and so I'd love to see them go that route with this. Um, it does seem even a little more action than that, uh, and that's cool, you know, because the, the action looked good. Um, I think that's one of the concerns you have with them doing TV is like, will they make it look as good as the movies have looked? Yeah. And the trailer says yes, they they look as good as the movies. Um, or at least I didn't notice anything in the trailer that I was like, oh, that looks bad. So, you know, hopefully they keep it uh, looking good and then it will work. Otherwise, yeah, it could get real, real tedious. Um, the only other movie, because there's a few TV shows, but we don't talk TV here much. So we're not going to look at those. Mm-hmm. But uh, Raya and the Last Dragon, the new Disney animated feature, which I was annoyed in the trailer because they said the the Frozen, the, the studio that brought you Frozen. I'm like, you, it's Disney. What do you mean the studio that brought us? Just say Disney. Like, Disney. That's what you need to say. Yeah, don't, the studio that brought us Frozen. Oh, who's that? Who? Who? What studio did that? I don't know. Um, hey, kids, Frozen, like dangling it in front of you like a carrot. Yeah, uh, it looks to me that was the best looking of the trailers. Um, I, I am. 
a fan of of Disney animation. I don't know. I have not done any research on Raya as like I, obviously I, I knew it was coming out and stuff, but I, I don't know if it's did they whitewash the cast? Did they do a good job of casting like actual got, Asian actors? Uh, Kelly Marie Tran is voicing Raya, oh. and Aquafina is the cool dragon. I love Aquafina so much, and yeah. Kelly Marie Tran. Um, I'm glad. I hope people are nice to her. Um, they bloody better be. Yeah, but uh, cool. Uh, good. Uh, I'm glad to to, to see that because obviously. I think that was some criticism about the uh, animated Mulan and uh, Pocahontas. Um, and, I mean, Hunchback of Notre Dame. Like, you know, you have Demi Moore uh, playing the gypsy woman. So, um, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, uh, it's that's important. And so, good. Um, it looks good. I, I'm, I'm intrigued by it. I don't know much really about it other than the, what I see in the trailer, but I'm, I'm open to seeing it. Yeah, I'm. I've been looking forward to this film this year. Uh, it looks like a lot of fun. I like the casting, like the 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 two uh, ladies up top, Kelly, Kelly Marie Tran and Aquafina. I can't wait to see them, like, well, hear them, like dueling of each other, like verbally. I think that's going to be quite fun. I love the look of it. I love the colours. Um, I like the vibe. I like the visuals of it. The, the fact that it's from the studio that brought us Frozen. This is the icing on top of the cherry and the cake and all that. Come on, um, I've seen Frozen every day for the last six months. I can't. I'm really looking forward to Ray, and I I thought this trailer looked fun. The other, like this little teaser, the main trailer was great. I thought, and this teaser was just, it was fun. Um, so for me, it was kind of a, the Wayne's World trailer was fun. I'm gonna say that like little advert yeah. for Uber. Well, it was at Uber Eats. Uber Eats, yeah. Um, Wayne's World uh, reunited. Um, very fun. Cardi B. Yes, that was a weird kind of twist, but <laughs> <laughs> but that was fine. But for me, it was a. I wouldn't even say it's a mixed bag. I was I was more disappointed from what we got this year than I have been in the past few. But I'm, are you a bit more balanced than me on that? I, I'm. I mean, I wasn't disappointed, but um, it definitely you know it felt like a year when we don't know what we're going to get to see, right? Like, uh, good point. Because uh, that's because there's a lot of stuff like that. Obviously, companies are hesitant to market even. Um, you know, big big sponsors for the for the Super Bowl pulled out of their normal spots and stuff because they were apprehensive about maybe implying that it was okay that there was a Super Bowl with twenty five thousand people in attendance and then yeah. an after party that looked like it's going to spike a big uh, outbreak here because people were partying in the streets without masks on. Election, yeah. So, um, you know, Florida, yay. Um, oh man, oh yeah. I mean, I'm surprised that we didn't see Godzilla, Godzilla versus Kong. Like a little teaser as well. So you got that trailer. I was, I was, I would have put like a few bucks on that. We were going to get something, considering it's coming out very soon. But uh, nothing for GVK either. Yeah, I don't really feel like uh, you would think HBO Max would have been pushing. Um, just like get see all the movies same day. Same, you know, like they didn't even do that. So, um, not not a good sign because I know a lot of the the directors and stuff are not happy with that. Uh, that reality that we're going to be getting those movies same day same um theater and and on hbo max so it could i wonder if there's like hesitation to promote it too much in case something goes wrong where they don't have the ability to show some of the movies or something like that um, maybe well let's say just putting a netflix and just not realizing how they need to market their stuff better all of that could be true and so yeah um definitely not not the biggest set of of trailers to drop uh, in a Super Bowl, but understandable since we don't really know what this year is going to look like. Still, we don't know when we're going to get uh, a safe 
to go back to the theater vibe. I know some people are obviously going, um, but who knows? Yes, if, and if you do, make sure you you know wear a face covering like the weekends back in dancers. You know, we'll cover your whole face up. Um, Super Bowl reference. I'm hip. Uh, my headline was um, something just as big, and a lot of people, a lot of people love this time of year, and I'm one of them. It's awards season. We're leading up to the big one, the Academy Awards, but of course we've had the the Critics' Choice. We've had uh, multiple uh, film critic circles releasing their nominations. And we've also got the Golden Globes have released their nominations. And I know a lot of people don't put a huge amount of stock in the Globes, but many people kind of see them as as the precursor to the Academy Awards, along with a few other things that, you know, how the Globes pan out will and could potentially affect how the Oscars pan out. So I thought we'd have a little chat about the nominations there. And Mank got the most nominations. He got six nominations. So David Finch's Mank on Netflix. Um straight up in terms of like the overall picture i don't think there's any real surprises in terms of the nominations for for the most part you know the films i expected to be there were there trial of chicago seven five nominations the father nomad land promising young woman four nominations i expect those films to be up there but there were individual for me there are individual issues um like i mentioned i thought zendaya would you know comfortably get a nomination for the academy awards and if not certainly the globes Nope, no nomination. Uh, Minari wasn't eligible for Best Picture, similar to Parasite, because it required certain people to acknowledge foreign people and foreign films. So because it's not in English, it can't be nominated. No Paul Racy for The Sound of Metal, for the supporting actor. Yes for Jared Leto for The Little Things. Somebody needs to have their head examining. Uh, Yes for James Corden for The Prom. Somebody really, really, really needs to get their head examined if they think that was one of the best performances of the year. No nominations at all for The Five Bloods. Nothing. No Best Picture, no Director, nothing for Delroy Lindo. This dude is tipped and has been since the film came out for an Oscar nom, if not the whole damn thing, the win. The Golden Globes didn't even, they didn't even nominated, they didn't even acknowledge Spike Lee's film has existed. So uh, Trent Reznor's up for two score awards for Soul and Mank, which is fun. But So the films that got the majority of the votes... Uh, noms i expected those but some of the individual ones i find baffling and yet people will say look it's only the globes but people put stock in this and it is we're on the run up to the big one here man so what did you think when you saw the nominations drop well um i i was excited to see a couple on getting like the praise that i had levied at them like promising young woman is a movie that i was really really into so i was excited to see them getting nominated carrie mulligan i i think is definitely deserving we have not seen nomadland yet so nobody get mad uh that we're not here like raving about that we're we're going to be reviewing it here soon because it's supposed to be dropping um very very soon and um uh, i'm always i always love viola davis for sure but uh you know um i was excited to see uh both riz ahmed who is my best actor of the year for sound of metal uh, but also chadwick boseman postmortem getting the nomination because he is a powerhouse in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Um, I haven't seen The Father, uh, so I don't really have an opinion of Anthony Hopkins. I just... I, I, I think he's the front runner for the Oscar, I've heard, in a lot of people's eyes. Wow. Wow. That's impressive. That good, uh, apparently. Because he, he can be a bit, like, actor. You know what I mean? Like, it's very... Like, sometimes it's like, I am acting. Uh, have you Hopkins. seen The Rights? Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. I've seen Transformers. Uh, oh. Oh, um, oh. You went there. Yeah, I mean, you got to. Um, 
so one thing that I've, I've heard some very mixed things on that kind of bother me is people, uh, uh, Hamilton, um, right. Some of the things that they're using to like levy at it doesn't make sense. Um, like somebody was like, Oh, wait a minute. That was a 2016 play. I'm like, yeah, they film movies and then don't release them for years. It's not when it's filmed that it qualifies for the award. It's when it's released. So that's a, that's a pointless criticism. I don't know if the Golden Globes have a regulation on uh, streaming versus theatrical release like the Oscars does. Um, I'm guessing not because I don't believe Hamilton got any kind of theatrical release outside of Netflix. Uh, or, uh, sorry, Disney Plus. No, I didn't know. It was straight, straight streaming. So that's an issue that I have is like, is that is that the norm for the Globes? Because to my understanding, even with the changes the Oscars made – Hamilton won't have won't be eligible to be there. Now, I love that musical. I thought it was a brilliant production. Um, to be fair, if you're going to nominate anyone from it for an award, I would have said David Diggs. No offense to Lin Manuel, but David Diggs is the superstar. So is Lamar Odom, uh, Leslie, Leslie Odom. Sorry, Junior is fantastic, right? But if you're going to give Leslie, man, if you're going to give uh, him an award, go for uh, you know One Night in Miami. Which, now that I say that out loud, didn't get a whole lot of any attention. Is uh, not- that's a good point, actually. I'm going to have a look in that, into that whilst you're talking. Um, because that movie is amazing. Um, oh, he did. He got a Best Supporting Actor. So there you go. Um, and then Regina King gets Best uh, Director nomination for it. Both of which, I, I, I Regina King was my um, pick in, on our Bampy Awards. She and And... You know, I'm excited to see her getting that nomination. And also Emerald Fennel, who I love Promising a Woman. I cannot wait to buy that movie. Um, I uh, She's got the nomination, and then Chloe's out. I mean, it, we have three female directors nominated for Best Director at the Golden Globe. So that's huge, right? Because that, that has to be a, a record. Um, Let's hope that translates to the Oscars. And not for any reason other than the fact that those three delivered three of the best films of the year. Again, we're assuming that on Nomadland, but you know, the, there's well, enough. Yeah, buzz. critically received. Yeah, from what we are, yeah. two of them we know, and one of them we kind of expect, or we certainly believe they are. Yeah, yeah. we can't wait to see it. Like we're we're super yeah. excited about it. Um, I haven't got to see Minari yet, although uh, I did get an email from A24 that they're doing a virtual screening of Minari. Um, nice. So, like, I I don't feel like that was for the critics. I think that's like to the public. I think you can buy a ticket and watch it through A24. Um, so I'm I'm gonna try to do that, and then I did see for best foreign language another round, which I love. But yes, I need to watch that. Um, the Five Bloods not getting any nominations. Um, you gotta assume it's because even though it was the summer, that feels like seven years ago at this point. You know what I mean? Like I I'm forgetting that the Five Bloods was this year. Like it it feels like I saw it forever ago. Um, and it doesn't help that I've watched a lot of Spike Lee films last year. So like. I, he's just kind of ever present for me. I'm not really separating that he had something new. I'm just like, I've seen so much of his work. Um, so I do think it's deserving. I definitely think Delo Roy Lindo is severely, uh, you know, neglected here that he's not on this list. And so I, I hope the Oscars remedy that, um, you know, obviously the golden globes, as you noted, are not always the be all end all of anything, but it is disappointing to to like know that that's out there and it be just snubbed so hard. We're well, looking at, I mean, looking at some of the um, 
releases. Anya Taylor Joy has been nominated for Emma for best performance in a musical or comedy. That was released fairly uh, fairly earlier on. Fairly early on. I mean, even Hamilton was kind of early last year. I think. I mean, not right. early, early, but like mid year. So yeah, it was like right around the pandemic time. And then Emma, I saw in the theater before the pandemic yeah. struck. So yeah, so there are some. I mean, again, we, what you're saying could could well be right. But there are films which are released earlier. And again, I'm not going to sit here and say there's a Golden Globes conspiracy against Spike Lee. There may very well be. For it to get none is is unreal. And look, everyone loves a bit of Jared Leto for his like off-the-wall weirdness, I say love. But was, uh, I mean, putting him in for best supporting an actor when there are other people more deserving. And there's a few other ones here I'm looking at thinking, not entirely sure about that but yeah you know it, it is what it is if these are if these were the oscar nominations there'd be this would be a different story this would be a case of right this just this is seriously wrong but i haven't heard really any positive buzz about his performance in the little things before this like no, no. it wasn't like people were like this movie's mediocre but leto shines like it was always just like yeah leto's doing some stuff it's weird it's exactly what you expect jared leto to do it's whatever. And like to, to get in a nomination is like, okay, hold on. Like that's ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, some of these, some of these, uh, again, this isn't a dig at Jared Leto at all, but again, it's the globes. We put stock in it. Um, some of the, some of the categories are stacked though. I really want to see nomad land and a father. And if they're as good as I believe they're going to be, what people from what I'm reading, that top five best motion picture drama is a stacked category. The actress category, holy hell. The actors category, holy hell! I mean, there are, if, if if these are replicated within the Oscars, Jesus. Um, last question on this, and friend, Glenn Close, she's she, she's up for best supporting actress for *Hillbilly Elegy*. Will she will she get the nom at the Oscar? Will she finally win? I ask this because all I've seen all day on Twitter is this is Glenn Close's year finally, and I am sick to death of seeing this is somebody's give them the Oscar, like, and they got to earn it. Now, she was great in Hillbilly Elegy, but is this the year she wins over Amanda Seyfried, uh, Olivia Coleman, and the rest of them? Um, I, you know, I don't don't know for sure, but I would not be opposed. Um, but, yeah, you know, it's one of those things. Um, I don't know, man. The Globes are so, so hard. I have never picked the Globes correctly. Mm-hmm. Um Every time I think I know what the Globes are going to do, they they throw a curveball. But I, I mean, do we want the Hillbilly Elegy win? Like, is anyone on that team? <laughs> um, well, people are on the Glenn Close team. I don't know if they're on about the film because yeah, we even we gave that film up like, down the middle. But was a lot of people didn't like it. But man, I just talking about this gets me excited because uh, the closer we get, I mean, I think the end the eligibility for Oscar films is the end of February. So the numbers are going to drop in March. And you know, I'm looking forward to when JB and myself get together and we do an Oscar. I can't wait to pit wits and pit heads and sort of look at the nominations for the Oscars, but the Globes have given us some interesting, um, interesting chat there. So did you have anything to else else to add on that before we move on? Um, the only thing I'll add is that today, this is, it's only parallel to this is, uh, Zack Snyder released the first images of <laughs> Jared Leto's Joker. Yep. And um, I commented on a uh, the comicbook.com's tweet because um, they said You're Jared right. Leto's Joker looks like he's been through it. Uh, the first real look from Zack Snyder's Justice League. And I commented, 
um, is a question. That's not just a deleted scene from the little things. So, <laughs> you know, um, who knows? Uh, He's got the same wig on. That's what I'm saying, right? Like, it looks like the same hair. Like it's not the it's not the the Joker look we had in Suicide Squad. He hasn't Squad, got the so. tattoo on his forehead either. That's his damaged. Um, yeah, I've about uh, <laughs> I've, I've, I've had to be reminded and reminded myself that Zack Snyder did come out and say that this is a film for grown ups. It's for adults. Was his exact words in a tweet. This isn't a Saturday morning cartoon like the original Justice League. This is for the grown ups. So um, yeah. we're grown ups, so therefore we should love this. And I thought it looked a bit silly. Um, yeah. But hey, look, there are people out there who can't wait for this. I want to go into that four-hour film. I really want to think. I really want this to be like the best comic book film ever. I don't know why. I just want it to be good. And I, I don't know if it will be, but I'm generally going to go into it and hope for the best. Even though I'm not particularly interested in it and all of these this storm that surrounded it, I am quite. I, I am open-minded, and I do hope it's going to be a good film. But from what you've seen, just quickly, man, are you at all optimistic? I I don't think so. Um, I you know I I am I'm definitely not on Team Snyder. Um, I soured on him real fast. I I've never been a big fanboy. Like my favorite movie of his is still kind of like people are on the fence. I love Watchmen. I do. Um, I really enjoy it. Uh, I had not, yeah. I had not read the book prior. I read the book after. I do like the book more. Um, but I still enjoy the film because I had seen the film first. Um, also, I think Rorschach is really great in that movie, and uh, the casting is like spot on. But I, I, I don't, I don't. I feel like he took the tone of Watchmen and then just like, what if I cram the rest of DC into it? And it's it just doesn't work in a good way. And I, you know, I'll never get over the Martha thing. Um, <laughs> that, that, Why did you say that name? like the whole thing is it just doesn't it doesn't mesh for me i'm just like whatever um and it doesn't help the toxicity that that kind of propelled this into existence doesn't make me want it anymore so yeah and that's what i think if, if it's bad are those people going to come out and say okay this wasn't worth waiting for or will it just be held up as the best film ever i think we know the answer to that and we'll let you all decide that but look i hope it's good i generally do i generally want to go in and think you know what that was all right, actually. That wasn't bad. It was a step up from the last one. Whether or not, we will. But um, before we move on to our media consumption, just thought it was um, out of respect, best to mention uh, or on or respect the memory of Christopher Plummer, who passed away on February the 5th of this year, 2021. Um, Academy Award winning actor for Beginners. And again, he got another nomination for All the Money in the World a few years ago making him the oldest person to get nominated in an acting category. But I mean, this guy started way back in 1958 and has been in some of the, some fantastic films, Waterloo, the inside, a beautiful mind, the girl with the dragon tattoo knives out very recently. Um, the sound of music, of course. Um, so it's a big loss for the, uh, movie industry, uh, with, when Christopher Plummer left us, uh, in the last week, wasn't it my friend? Yeah, it was. Um, I I have not seen all of his movies by any means, but I've seen I've seen many, and it's uh, it's um, there's some that I really do want. Like I have actually never seen Beginners, and that's a film that Corey, my other podcast partner, has uh heavily recommended. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, we gotta always remember that his role in in the, all the money in the world was replacing Kevin Spacey. Like they'd already filmed all of the scenes with uh, Kevin Spacey in that role, and so he had to come in and do all these like doubles and. 
Um, I thought he was really good in that movie. He's easily the best part of that movie. Um, and then like, he's, he's taken so many different roles. Like I'm just scrolling through his filmography on Letterboxd and I'm like, man, it's weird. Some of the movies that he's just like barely, like he's not in it much, but he's just, you know, he's there. He's going to make his presence felt and, um, he'll definitely be missed. But again, what a life, you know, that's, he lived a really long, good life, um, and gave us many, many great performances that we will not forget. Yep, rest in peace, Christopher Plummer. So now we move on to media consumption, as mentioned, where John and myself, we, we let each other and you, our, our family out there, know what we've been catching up on. Films, TV, video games, music, uh, books, comic books, podcasts that aren't ours. Whatever we've been indulging in to pass the time, uh, these strange times at the minute. And like I always say each week, but I mean it, John's always got a, a nice, varied selection. So JB, what have you been checking out, man? So I'll start with um, podcast listening. I, I listened to my Blank Check podcast uh, with Griffin and David. Um, they have, as I mentioned uh, off mic, uh, they just started the films from the guys that did The Great Mouse Detective, who one day I will remember their names. Um, but they're doing the director study on these two directors who work for Disney. Um, and I had never seen The Great Mouse Detective before, so I, I did watch that um, in preparation for the episode and uh, really liked it a whole lot. Um, I am kind of a Sherlock Holmes fan in general. Uh, Clements and Musker, uh, Ron Clements, John Musker, uh, they have directed some major films together, including Little Mermaid, Aladdin, Hercules was the one I forgot, um, Princess and the Frog, Treasure Planet, Moana. Uh, I have seen all but now I need to watch Treasure Planet. That's the only other film of theirs I've not seen. Um, but they also concluded, uh, I think it was maybe in between our last episodes, but they, they were on the Patreon episodes. They've been, uh, they do commentaries and they've been doing the, uh, Crocodile Dundee trilogy, um, which I've never seen the trilogy. I've seen the first one and I've seen the first two. Yeah. There it's the listening to them, watch those, uh, the movies cold for the most part. They had never seen the third one before was a lot of fun um they they get a little crazy uh over the episodes because they did all three in one day um but they spaced out the releases of the episodes over like a month um so yeah by the third episode they were like fed up with crocodile Daddy. so <laughs> uh, um but uh for um another podcast and this one i guess we can talk together here we we both listen to uh the empire podcast um i listeners may know this i'm a huge edgar wright fan edgar wright i list as my favorite director um he wrote an article for empire magazine that i talked about on our last episode and uh he he interviewed a bunch of uh directors um and their end actors about their favorite cinematic moments and one director who didn't get to finish their article because they missed the deadline which seems appropriate um was quentin tarantino and so instead they had a three-hour episode of the empire podcast with um, the host who kind of isn't there in this podcast, like he, he chimes in a couple times. He makes a fool of himself at another point. Yeah. Um, poor guy. Uh, and um, twice. But in fact, it, he does. Yeah. But it's basically Edgar Wright and Quentin Tarantino talking about their love of cinema for three hours. And so it was, it's excellent. Um, Tarantino's audio quality is bad. They do warn about that at the beginning of the episode, but otherwise I, I had such a blast listening to them just, even though I didn't know a good chunk of the movies that they were talking about, um, just their, their passion for it um, is so, which I, if you know them, you know that they're super passionate film nerds that also make movies. Right. Uh, 
so it was just great getting to hear them. Also, I didn't realize how good of friends they were until listening to that episode. And I, I liked hearing that because like people that I look up to being friends makes me happy for some reason. And I don't fully understand it, but it does every time. So um, as, as even more that Martin Scorsese and Edgar are friends that that really was just like, oh, that's so cool to know that because um, you, you got to think like Edgar was a big fan of him. And now like that he's buddies with him. It's got to be Demon surreal. Him. Yeah, right. Like that. Scorsese says he took the time to give him a gigantic list of movies <laughs> of you British filmmakers. Oh, mate. Honestly, it's something I don't know. If it's Edgar Wright and Quentin Tarantino. It's it's like when Variety or whoever it is throws those actors on actors together. You're like, oh, I wouldn't thought they gel so well uh, together. But um, they. Uh, but I, I wouldn't necessarily. I wouldn't think that these two wouldn't because, like you say, they're cinephiles through and through. But it is cool to know that they keep in contact and they have a. More than a work of, they have a personal relationship. They're friends. They're they're film buddies, film friends, and it was really interesting listening to them talking about the the moments in cinema in theaters that got to them the most. And some of the films are quite surprising. They they weren't what I expected, uh, which I liked. Um, the Scorsese element with the films he's recommended, how their films have been influenced by the by the big theatrical moments, and. Um, obviously re- representing the British cinema. Again, I hadn't heard of quite a lot of these films. I'd heard some of the names of the people involved that they named up, but not all of them. But that was interesting. That was nice to see that old school British cinema getting some love. Um, and there are lists out there. So and JB sent me one as well. And there's articles, like all of the films that I mentioned or all the actors and directors, you know, just search it up and you'll be able to do your own. Like, you know, Edgar Wright loves a list. There's a list of all the films you can go and watch. But when John said it is through nearly four hours, I, I was daunted. I was like, this is Zack Snyder's Justice League level of depth. Um, but I put it on, on my uh, home dot system, whose name I shan't mention for fear of waking up. Um, and I and I was in. I knew I'd be, I'd like it, but I had it on the background and it wasn't like an audio book where I just forget I'm listening and lose track. I was in the whole time and it was such an easy listen. You get the, the Quentin does sound like he's shouting into an auditorium at, to, to start with, but you do get over that very quickly. But just the discussion, the passion, the knowledge was great. It, it didn't feel like three yeah. hours, and that's the best compliment I can give it. Agreed. Agreed. Although I, I listened to it over a couple of days, but uh, not because of the length. Just That's how I listen to podcasts. I kind of pause them when I pause them and get to them when I can. But What else have you been up to there, man? Um, so watching some movies, I watched uh, The King's Speech for Movie Club, um, which was the first time I and checked off a uh, best picture list uh, for me. Um, a movie that I will say... I, I really like King's Speech, by the way, not to like move off of it, but movie I'm going to say anyone should watch if you have access to Hulu. It's called In and of Itself. Don't look it up. Don't read into it. Don't find out what it is. Just watch it, uh, but only watch it when you can give your 100% attention to it. Um, there is a disclaimer title card at the beginning that tells you to turn your phone off and watch the movie. Please cool. do that. I think cool. it's worth really, really paying attention to. Um, it is technically a documentary. However, it's not a documentary as much as it is like a concert film of a stage show. And that's all you need to know. Just watch it. It's, it is, I don't even want to say what it is, uh, like as far as how it affected me and whatever, because I don't want to influence anyone's take on it. But um, it's really cool and worth watching if you can. Um, I dove, I've been trying to dive into older films as much as I can. So I finally watched a noir classic called Laura. Um, that big tuna literally told me about freshman year of high school. So that was like seven years ago. 
And it's been on my watch list for a long time. I finally just decided to watch it and I loved it. It's great. Um, I rewatched seven. Yes. Um, but I, I introduced it to my daughter. Uh, I don't really know. I haven't really got to like sit and talk to her about it afterwards. So I hope she's okay. Um, <laughs> uh, but I, I enjoyed rewatching it. I hadn't, I honestly hadn't seen it since like the late nineties. So it, it'd been a long time. Um, mm-hmm. Still remembered a lot of it. And uh, there's an image and more. It's not just, there is an image. There's a, a photograph that we are shown, but we are told of what happened by the, the survivor, I guess you could say, who was forced to do a horrendous act that has haunted yeah. me since I saw it as a kid. Like that has it been one of the him. most. Well, yes. And that doesn't make it any easier, right? Because like the horror he has in his like shouting of it. And then the image, like the photograph of what the object is. And then the re- reality of what must have happened is so bothersome in like every way imaginable. And um, it's, it's always that's always shook me and I've never been able to get over it. And then it was just as like traumatizing watching it. And I was like, yeah, no wonder it stuck with me for 20 years that I never <laughs> been able to get that. Um, that and again, guy, you know, the actor who played that guy, he didn't, he had, I read or watched on a documentary. He didn't sleep for like three days to get himself in that kind of neurotic paranoia, that state that he's in. He literally just didn't sleep. So that's, that's so his performance, his like how he is, is a result of that as well. He to get into the role. Um, so, uh, then I watched, um, still working on the AFI top 100 list and then the Empire uh, Empire Magazine top 100 movies of all time. Um, I'm, I'm checking movies off. And so I, I watched An American in Paris. Yep. Um, I didn't love that movie. Um, I didn't dislike it, but I didn't, like, I love Singing in the Rain. Like, mm-hmm. hands down, I can watch Singing in the Rain anytime. I love that movie. With the exception of basically one musical number. I don't love the Broadway uh the final musical number in singing the rain. It's, it's kind of boring. It's a little long. Um, it's not horrible. I don't hate all of it, but there are parts of it where I'm just like, okay, dude, I'm done with hearing gotta dance. None of the songs in American in Paris stuck with me. I don't remember a single one. I couldn't tell you what it, if you played it for me right now, I wouldn't be able to tell you it was from that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think one. I got rhythm. I could think of that, but I don't know how it goes. I just know it's in the film. <laughs> um, yeah, I know, you know what you mean. When that song came on, I also wasn't sure if that was like, from that movie or if he like in my head i was thinking that song existed and then it was in the movie but now that you say it it was probably the other way around and there you go so i did know that one um but like there were things of the movie i liked i i still obviously gene kelly's a great dancer but i don't watch them for the dancing like i like the dancing with the song but if the song doesn't grab me then i don't care about the dancing that's generally true it may not always be true but generally that's true um and um I I did find some cool stuff that I I get where La La Land pulled some of its imagery Ooh. and stuff. So I was like, okay, that's cool to know that Chazelle clearly was influenced by this movie. I would definitely pick Singing in the Rain over American in Paris. So like any day, like much much I, preferred. I agree there. Um, but on that, uh, so the Empire top one hundred movies. There was only two I had not seen, and they were both Sergio Leone films, both almost three hours long. And on Sunday and Monday, I knocked them out. Um, the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, and Once Upon a Time in the West. Um, I love The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. And at, at like at one point in the movie, I was like, I don't know if I like this at all. And then by the end of the movie, I was like, yeah, I love this. I don't know. Uh, wow. Like, what? A, like, because I was like halfway. I'm like, God, there's still like an hour and a half of this. I don't know if I want to deal with this. And it's like, I get that. Like, it, we keep like shifting. Like, the, ever, there's betrayal. And 
I was kind of like, this is so plotty. We could trim out so much. And then by the end, I'm like, why would you cut any of this? This is fantastic. Um, I, I was, I was surprised to be completely honest. I, I did not expect to enjoy that as much as I did. Um, and then once upon a time in the West, um, I was also kind of like initially a little checked out. I'm like, I don't know what's going on, what's happening. And by the end, I was like, wow, this is really great too. So they lived up to the the hype. They concluded my uh, my list for the Empire Magazine's top 100 films. I've seen all 100 films. Um, and uh, I, I, I'm i kind of intrigued to dive into more Sergio Leone films. Um, I find a lot of the stuff really fascinating, especially because the actors all speak their native languages and then they're just dubbed over. So like it's, some t- some characters look like they're speaking the right like words and others like you clearly can tell they're dubbed like an old Godzilla movie. So it's uh it's kind of fun in that way too. You're like that person's not speaking English. That person was speaking English. That person's not speaking English. like it- it's almost a game within and of itself. So um and then lastly to wrap this up, uh watched I finished the movies that made us. I wa- I talked about two episodes last week, but I finished the Ghostbusters and Die Hard episodes. Nice. Uh, really really great. Um, definitely enjoyed uh, that whole series and the holiday movies that made us that I watched before that one. All really cool. I hope they do more. I love the kind of deep dive in the behind the scenes and the, the controversies of the films and stuff like that. Really fun um, stuff for film nerds. And then uh, another thing you and oh, I finished reading uh, Amy Poehler's uh, auto, or memoir. Yes, please. Um, I'm a big Amy Poehler fan anyways, but uh, the book only made me like her more um, and also appreciate a lot of elements of like i didn't realize how i knew she was part of ucb i didn't realize like how integral a part of ucb she was um and she takes a whole chapter and just basically talks parks and rec and like the the closeness that that cast appears to have based on her accounts just made me love that show even more i was already a huge fan and then like hearing her like the like i think you hear that about the office too that they really bonded it wasn't just like work buddies like they all really really like still love each other and stuff and i think that's awesome um because you hear other stories where like people hated each other and it's always a little disappointing (laughs) um so like hearing that like what you're seeing on screen is like genuine is is awesome and with that the last thing wandavision episode five i watched it i know you watched it um i am so on board with this show right now yeah, man, I, I enjoyed this again. I beat broken record, but wasn't sure what I'd think about the show. I'm digging it. I was there watching it first thing Friday morning, as I will be uh, this week. And I think it's 10 episodes or nine episodes. I think it's a really strange number. So we're coming towards, we're, we're over the halfway point now. Um, yep, see, it set up some big, well, bit huge ramifications for the MCU potentially um, in, this t- in the TV show, which Feige said he was always going to do. But remember, it's not just Feige behind this as a whole team. Um, but yeah, really enjoyed it. Not no spoilers, of course, but intrigued to see what comes from this week's one. Uh, was there anything else you missed out there, JB, or was that your week? I think yeah, it's my week. I, I already mentioned that I watched the Super Bowl, so I'll, I'll, yeah, it's forgettable. We That's it. Jonathan Ebuck, as you're down there, Mister uh, Ebuck and Hud. Uh, I too listened to Edgar and Quentin on the uh, Empire podcast uh, and One Division, as I've just said. Two very, very, very good things to have done this week uh films i watched the mist for npm this week we're doing uh, we're doing an episode on the mist and a film which is more than just its ending uh, i really like the mist spoiler for that show but i like the mist an awful lot um and be- it's funny because jb sent me a message earlier on re- relating to the main man behind these two films but i watched um the place beyond the pines over the weekend yep. which i hadn't seen for a while and i really like that film 
and a film I haven't seen for about 10 years. It was The Ides of March, the Ryan Gosling or the George Clooney uh, film starring uh, himself, but Ryan Gosling. And I remember, I forgot how good that film is. I really like The Ides of March. I really, really like that film. Um, I think the ending's great, where it kind of leads you like, right, you don't not quite know which, how the character is going to turn, which way, which direction is he going to be? How has he been changed by everything that's happened to him in that film? And I really like that. And as we said to John off air on a, on a chat, it was you know, swooning over Ryan. There's nothing that man can't do. He saves puppies from the road. He saves bloggers from getting beaten up or whatever. He, um, he, he got Meryl Streep to compliment his mum's beehive. I mean, he's just a great guy, isn't he? Come on. He's just a great guy. I, I'm a big Gosling fan, and uh, we did The Ides of March on a movie club a couple... I don't remember if it was last year or the year before. I, I don't think we did The Place Beyond the Pines on the episode, because Corey had seen it before, but we did uh, cover a few of the other films from um, the filmmaker, whose name is not going to come to me. Um, oh, I can't remember The Place Beyond the Pines. Uh, is it... Is it on France? Uh, I think it's Derek on France, right? Like... Um, you might but, be right. I can tell you now that is Derek C. on France. Who is the writer attributed with uh, Sound of Metal. Um, who, Of course. Uh, and he's, he did Blue Valentine. Um, and uh, the the Light Between Oceans, which is really a really great melodrama. I, I'm a, Corey and I both are big fans of his. So we've done a lot of his movies on the podcast um, over the years. and uh, But also because we're both big Gosling fans. So. I, I wish I wake up every day and think I wish I looked like that guy and had that guy's talent what a man uh, I'm going to go back and listen to your Ides of March movie club podcast because I'm very interested to what you and Corey have to say the dream team and this week I listened to something which John has been telling me to listen to for about three years ah. I, I sat down and checked out the Blank Check podcast I oh, listened what? to um, the Witches episode the Witches one and uh, the, re- the 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 great mouse detective. I kept it very quiet because I was like, "No, I'm not going to say anything. It's a surprise." Uh, one of the things I did glean though was David used to play soccer as a kid. Ergo, JP loves soccer. So we finally got to the end of that now, but uh, Actually, very much enjoyed it. Did you catch that David grew up in England? Yes, and that's I an did. ongoing bit, like on the show where they act like they didn't know it, like episode to episode. So uh, very you common. Never mentioned this before? Yeah. Um, uh, no, yeah, I I dug it. I, I I enjoy it, mate. When you get two film fans together from who 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 come across as different personalities, not majorly, but they're different personalities, but they gel so well when they know what they're talking about, and they get the right kind of uh, conversational tone and analytical um, d- uh, deep diving as well. It's not even a word, deep diving, but it is to me. I had a good time with it, dude. Yeah, I, I could see why you'd absolutely listen to it every week and subscribe to their Patreon. Um, yeah. I very much enjoyed it. And I will go back and check some more out. Um, I know because it's a director-focused um, show, I could see myself going back and sort of doing arcs, if you will. And I might look at something. I don't, don't I, fancy I got, that one, but I definitely fancy that one type thing. I, I found that I was such a fan of their kind of the, – their presentation, but also their, their kind of uh, – analytical study even though the filmmakers who i like i've listened to episodes where i've not seen the films because i'm just i want to hear what they are saying and some of the films are harder to get like i can't currently remember who the directors are going to be after the the musker ones um but their films are supposed to be like really hard to get and so 
that's they told us ahead of time because of it, which I've I've clearly forgotten. So I'm going to have to look up what the next one's going to be. But, um, you know, I, I I have gone through a lot of the filmographies of filmmakers who I probably would have skipped uh, if not for the podcast. But I was like, no, I want to be in on the conversation. So if I could get my hands on the movies I have um, and I've I've gained a lot of appreciation for some filmmakers who I maybe otherwise would have never given the time of day. That's a testament to the show that the fact that you can you haven't even seen a film, but you tune in for them. That's what every podcast wants. But the educational side of it, and um, doing these shows with you as well, has helped. Like certain films we've done for the Bamp, I probably wouldn't have touched with the barge pole, the kissing booth, one and two. Um, yeah. And and even when we do astrology, going back to watch certain films, I wouldn't necessarily have watched or been on the gap list. And you go back and watch with it. I'm so glad I watched this because then it opens up your eyes to other films, similar films, or by that filmmaker. And it sounds like the BCP is doing that as well. But no, I enjoyed it, my friend. So I will go back and check some more out. It took me a while. Um, I, you know, I have Frozen's been on this time. I've been kind of, I haven't been able to do it because I've been watching Frozen. So, but now if they do a Frozen show, I'm there. But I am, uh, no, I enjoyed it. I'm on board with it, my friend. So I will check some more out. And hopefully in the coming weeks, I'll be able to join in with the discussion a bit more on that from this particular section. But, um, well, John stays bloody awesome by listening to the Blank Check podcast each week and also just by getting up and breathing air. But that isn't always sufficient. Sometimes we need to do a little bit more to go above and beyond to stay bloody awesome, to give you all the bloody awesome experience which you crave, which you desire, or which you've come, come to know and love. So we let you know what we've been doing. John, how have you been staying bloody awesome this week? So I have a new addiction, Matt. Um Oh, no. I am a fan of Major Melon. And if you don't know what that is, I know what that listeners, is. Um, it is the new Mountain Dew flavor. Uh, and I don't drink soda normally, regular soda. I only drink zero. And that's one of the reasons why I love this is it's one of the rare flavors of Mountain Dew that they gave the zero treatment. So it, it doesn't only have the Major Melon regular, but they have Major Melon zero. And apparently everybody likes it because it's gotten where it's really hard to find it. And that's how I know I'm addicted to it, Matt. I, I went to not one, but two convenience stores on Friday morning trying to find a bottle of it. Um, and I had to go into a kind of sketchy, not not a big name brand convenience store where it's like, you know, it's a corner store and it very much is a corner store. Like they have like a, like fried food station where like you can get like fried food at a gas station and the whole place smells like grease because it clearly isn't sufficiently like ventilated for making food. Um, but I went in and they at least had it. And I was so excited. I bought three bottles just because I didn't know if I wanted to come back to that store again, but I love this soda Mountain Dew. If you're listening, I will gladly be, uh, your, I will shill your product. Um, just make this readily available. Please don't take it away from me. Uh, I like it so much. I don't even know why, dude, I'm not that big of a watermelon fan, but I love this soda. I literally, that's what I was drinking at the beginning of this episode. Um, that's how I'm saying bloody awesome is I'm drinking at least one 20 ounce bottle of major melon Mountain Dew every day. How about you, sir? Well, Sergeant Sugar could join major melon with that. You can, you can get it in United Kingdom. It's two pounds 99, but it is sold out everywhere. So I'd have to order it in. Um, but I was aware of major melon for me though. I've also been, um, landing with some great American pastimes, not Mountain Dew, but, uh, I got sent a box of American sweeties, hard um, American candies. Sorry. Um, and I have been sampling those very, very readily to the point where I've had to stop because I do think my teeth are falling out. Um, I've always, I've, I've been to the States before and I do love the Americans penchant for sugar because over here we've been cutting down on it and 
hey, look, it's good for the kids. But for me, I want I want my candy to taste like it did when, it, when I was a kid. Like, really bad for you and full of sugar. And this box is full of it. It's great. Um, I've, got laugh, I've been um, snacking on Laffy Taffy. I mean, these all, these, all these names will sound familiar to most people. I've heard of all of the names, but I never had them. Never had a Laffy Taffy. Had two. Loved them. John's favourite, the, Twiz- the Twizzlers. Had it. Loved it. Strawberry ones. Here. Right here. ASMR. For you. I've got um, a, a hostess, which I just destroyed before coming on air. That is my kind of like stodgy, horrifically sugary food. But I'm here for it. Um, I gave I, the kids some lollies. Well, one I of saw them... that. Oh, sorry. No, no. Go for it, sir. When I saw the picture on Instagram of the box. Um, and then like you were like, what should I try? My brain was like kind of it wasn't registering that you had not had exposure to that. Cause I'm just like, that just was like a generic box of stuff that it's like all the time. There's nothing special. And then the revelation that I'm like, Oh, it's like when I went to the proper pie company and I yes. bought like British candy and you were like, whatever. Cause it's like, that's what we have. And I'm like, this is all different to me. I don't know what any of this is. It took a minute to process that it was that way for you with our candy. Like in my head, our candy's everywhere. And it's, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, cause I've never been to the UK. So I just assume like, how have you never had Twizzlers or no, like, yeah, man. Yeah. we do have, um, we do have American stores over here. Like every, I mean, I've, I've, I think around the corner where I, I think about two, a, literally a mile away, we have, we've got a, a candy store, as you'd call it. And they have a selection. Every major supermarket has a selection, but they are a, a little section of us sweets. So you can get them. They're overpriced because they're imported like um, drinks, candies, cereals, and things like that. But there is a premium to pay. So, so I've heard of most of these. I've, I, I mean, Hershey's, I eat one of those once a week because I'm awful. Um, I've heard of Nerves, Mike and Ike, uh, Pop-Tarts, of course. I've heard of Laffy Taffy, Kool-Aid. Of course I've heard of these. They're multinational. They're pop culture, most of these. They've infiltrated somehow. But um, I haven't tried a lot of them, but I have now. And, yeah, um, some of them, Airheads, were like just beautiful sugar bars. I could just literally just taste the sugar on my teeth dissolving them but it was so good i gave the kids some of the lollies this morning and the oldest one anyway she had a blue raspberry one i think it was called like raz actual raz one and her entire mouth and teeth went blue i was like you better brush your teeth and the little one had a little watermelon lolly great loved it so uh yeah really really digging that sweet fa box on instagram go check them out if you're in the uk and you want to get some american candy for a decent price and a very good um selection as well so but no i have had american sweeties before american candy and when i go over to the states to live pop with john uh i will be demanding that he takes me to buy as many like stereotypically american candies possible there it is yep it'll be easy too they're just everywhere but just on the street corner just laying there for you to take so um yeah so basically me i've been i've been being john for a week well in another world when he used to eat more candy but he's been good now and i respect that but i've been um taking john's position and eating all the candy so uh yeah this week has been sugar filled for the bloody awesome movie podcast but the episode was great and that is our episode next week we're going to be coming at you with a review of one i'm very look much looking forward to judas and the black messiah john i'm assuming you're looking forward to that one big time can't wait to watch it Yep. Uh, if you want to talk to us about the film we've just spoken about, Malcolm and Marie, almost forgot, or American Candy, you can find us online on Twitter at BAMP underscore podcast, B-A-M-P underscore podcast. John, where can I chat to us on Instagram? They can follow us at Bloody Awesome Movie Pod. 
our Facebook if you're on there, Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. If you want to find me individually, uh, well, why wouldn't you? You can on Twitter, Instagram, Letterbox, the search for what I watched tonight, or just find the landing pad, whatiwatchtonight.co.uk. Uh, JB, where can the world find you, and why wouldn't they want to? At BurkReviews.com and at BurkReviews on all the social media. Go check it out. Uh, if you've got a spare few seconds, please do give us a five-star review on your podcast provider of choice just to help get more people listening and spread the bloody awesome word, plus more people to talk to. We're film fans. That's what we're here for. Um, but with that, as always, stay bloody awesome. And keep watching movies. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Blah, 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 blah.